behind the shades. I think your voice is warm. I would describe your voice as warm. I think you have a good pace. Um, I think you come across as genuine when I've listened to your podcasts. Oh, that's yeah. so nice. Thank you. I take that as a compliment because I definitely want to come across that way because I think that I'm a good listener. Yeah. Yeah, I would say you are. And it's interesting when some of your guests will say will ask you questions. And it's 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 interesting because I I think you're it's zoned into listening and then you're like, "Oh." <laughs> I know. Now the tables have turned and now I actually have to answer generally like they did, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's also great for the for the the guests because then they get to to sort of take the spotlight off them for a minute. Yes, and I think some people do it in a way to um, gather their thoughts because it can be quite difficult to open up to someone that you've only known for like a week or two, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it depends on the the uh, how much extroversion or introversion you prefer. I'm a true extrovert, so I ha build trust really quickly. I I I just dive straight in. So so for me, it's very I'm very quick to build relationships. Oh, so we're going to have a good time then because I'm an extrovert as well. Amazing. Yes. I've heard <laughs> some of your quite crazy podcasts, which is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I'm also going to know when I first moved out, um, I actually had the same, um, what's it called? Same lamp that you have in your background there. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Ikea, I think. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Back in the day. <laughs> I know. Are we, are we aging ourselves right now by mentioning Ikea? You know, I, I, I don't believe in age. <laughs> we We're still both. Do, do you not have Ikea? I do. I do. Oh, you do. Good. Okay. You're yeah. in Canada, right? I'm in Canada. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. Ikea. I have my, my TV stand, my coffee table, my <laughs> bookshelves. <laughs> you know what? What I'm going to do is if I tell you the brand, because there's a brand that I really like and I've bought that brand in almost everything. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll share that with you um, off camera. <laughs> okay, all right, fair enough, fair enough. But I'm looking around my living room going, yeah, pretty much all Ikea still. I mean, I had children, so it's great because you can, you know, the, you can kind of wreck the furniture and it kind of doesn't matter so much. No, no. And um, you know what? Ikea, I find is that there's obviously like anything, there's good quality, bad quality in between, right? But there's some really good stuff there for a really good price. For sure. I found. Yeah. Okay, but I have a question for you, and that's not a. This is not like a like a you know taking the spell out of me thing. But there there are different kinds of people. Do you read the instructions and like lay everything out, and and know that you have everything, or do you start building? No, I lay it all out. If I could, I'd invite you here and show you. I have like the same area where I do my yoga stretches. Yeah. That's where I do all my building. Oh. I lay it all out. I make sure I have four shelves. I make sure I have 12 screws. I make sure I have the the eight thumbtacks to cover the screws. After I know all of that. I'm an Ikea master. <laughs> okay. So I'm the opposite of you. I am your Ikea nightmare. I'm your Ikea nemesis. I just open the box and just start sticking stuff together like Lego and then go, oh, I have extra pieces. Was I supposed to have extra pieces? <laughs> I, I did that once and I ended up with two extra pieces. I was like, something's not right. It was a shelf, so I can't have extra <laughs> pieces on a shelf. <laughs> Just don't put any weight on it. It'll be fine. <laughs> so what I did was um, I used it actually as... Um, so I have two bookshelves. So when I had this extra shelf, because it was long enough, I put a bookshelf 
and then I put the extra shelf on top of the bookshelf and then I put another bookshelf on it. So I've built my own six foot high shelf. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. You are an Ikea master. You're like a ninja. Oh. Uh, yeah, I should definitely, if they paid well enough, I would definitely work there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't leave your day job. This is good. I think I've lost my mind there. <laughs> <laughs> Although, although it would be a dream, a dream job would be to work for Lego and just make... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wish I could... Um, I see some of those things that kids build, like the castles. Yeah. That's pretty That's pretty amazing. Oh, but they have Lego for adults, which are tiny little pieces. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's really expensive. And the models are only little, but they're tiny little pieces. And they're cr incredible. Wow. Yeah. I got I to gotta Google that and look that up afterwards. Yeah, so I'm in the UK. I'm from Vancouver originally, but I'm in the UK, and um, and so we have Legoland not too far from where I live. So we go there, and then we get all this insight into all this stuff and all these Lego stores. It's very cool. Wow, that's a, that's amazing. You know what? That's two things I have to take away from this this podcast with you: Legoland and more IKEA stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think I think we've done our job. There you go. There you go. <laughs> So, so let's officially get started and I want to welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Shades. I have my IKEA partner in crime. I have my, she's Canadian I believe, she says she's from Vancouver. I have Heather with us today. So Heather, why don't you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself that doesn't involve IKEA. Okay, well I, I, I have to say I never planned to talk about IKEA. This is just just a, a happy coincidence. Uh, so thank you for having me. And and um, yes, I am from Canada. I was born and raised in Canada. So I was born in Lethbridge, Alberta and grew up in Vancouver. And I live in the UK now, or at least I do as long as lockdown at lasts. And we are in full lockdown here right now. So not to date this, let's hope that it does date this. But uh, yeah, so so I um, I what shall I tell you? I am a training consultant. Uh, I was a global training consultant before the pandemic, which meant that I traveled all over running conferences for companies, um, which is an absolute no no right now. So um, with my time in 2020, I decided that I would um, <laughs> start a, a, an online business, which terrified me because I'm not an online person. Um, my grown children are because they're millennials and Gen Z and uh, but uh, but anyway I did that and uh, I started Confidence Through Cabaret which is kind of or has evolved into kind of my life story in a in an accidental way so I, I, I we look at personal life we look at work life and we look at stage life whatever stage life is for different people online or, or wherever their stages and, um, and, and really what's happened is we, we look to build confidence. And so I've used my uh, training consulting skills because they're all about interpersonal skills and they're all about leadership and they're all about communication. And so I've used those and my own personal story and, and other people sharing their personal stories. And we kind of brought it all together and talked about, you know, how do we show up and what is that about? And, and, and how do we build confidence across our lives? Because most of us have confidence in some area and not other areas. So we're looking for, you know, how do we how do we build that so we feel good across throughout our life? So I guess my first question to you is, how does one build confidence across all aspects of their life? Well, so I always say start from where you're strong, you know, so so where are you strong? What do you like about you? 
what do you enjoy and what are you grateful for and what do you love about you? And for some people, it's just starting with the, what do I like about me? And that's even a tough place to start. So it's kind of different, different places where people will start. Um, and I would say start from where you, where you are confident and then look to where you want to build confidence. So for example, we've got a lot of people who um, are very confident in their work life, you know, and they, and they, they know what they're doing and they feel like they're, you know, they're an authority in, in, in their field and, and, and then, then they struggle with personal life. And in fact, they're enjoying lockdown because they don't have to do all the social stuff face to face, you know, which is coming people like you're going to have to come back to to face to face. You're going to have to see people eventually. But um, but so so then we look at, OK, so so what do you what do you use in your work life that's working for you? How do you, let's say, make people listen to you or cause people to want to listen to you or be influenced by you or enjoy your your relationship? And then how do we transfer those things that are working for you into the area of life where you want to build confidence? So for some people, they're really confident in their personal and their work life, but they but they don't want to show up online. They don't want to do podcasts or, or lives or or even comment or do. But they, they want to be able to, but they, they don't feel like they're able to. So so we kind of start from the, the place of strength and then we share kind of uh, tools and tips and techniques that are informed by contemporary cabaret, which is a very unusual twist on things. Um, but that's the other part of the story of my life is that cabaret is my is my hobby. And has that process or that um, way of life, has that impacted you on a personal level? Oh, hugely. Oh, fully. So I had what, what would have been perceived as immense amounts of confidence um, in my work life and even in my personal life persona. Because I was really good at that. Because I am, we were talking about being extroverts and I am a true extrovert. I can show up and do the thing. But once I started reflecting on how I really feel and how I wanted to show up in other ways that I didn't feel able to, like, for example, everybody said, yeah, you got to come to this because it's going to be so much fun if you're there. So then I had to show up as the fun person. And then it's and then it's kind of, but I don't want to be the fun person today. I just want to be the quiet person today. And then, of course, you get all the, are you okay? What's wrong? Um, so so uh, when I started in cabaret, uh, I didn't really even know what it was, but I knew that I needed to take up space and I knew that I needed to find my own voice and cabaret and the tools of cabaret has enabled me to do that. Cause when I got there, I didn't, I, I couldn't, I could run a conference. I could be big and running around the room like Tony Robbins and doing the whole loud thing. But that's because you're listening to my, my content as far as I'm concerned, not because you're, I'm taking up space as me. So then when I got into cabaret and I had to take up space as me, I was like, I don't know what to do with that. Like, <laughs> like that, I don't want to be on display as me. So, uh, so cabaret has taught me a lot about that and a lot about what my voice has to say and how to express it and how to own my stage. And I think when, when we get older, we, for some of us, we get smaller. In other words, we take up less space, you know, and we, and we, and we're, we're physically, we, we kind of squeeze ourselves in a little bit more. And I didn't want to be like that in my own personal life. I knew I had to do it in my work life, but I didn't want to be like that in my personal life. I wanted to be however I felt like being. And I think sometimes that's the burden that extroverts face, right? Because you and I, we started this, all this energy, all this enthusiasm. It's like we knew each other for so many years because our personalities mesh well, mm -hmm. right? But yeah. the moment we dial it down, 
everyone around us asks us, are you okay? Did someone die? Are you going through this? Are you going through that? It's like, we have to be on every yeah. minute of every day, whereas the introvert doesn't even have to be on at all. Not that we're saying that they're not as important, but people view them differently. They expect us to have be high energy. And you probably experience it. People bring us around to bring themselves up. Yeah. Right? And that's something that I think is difficult for people like us because we're always that person that has to energize the room. But let's say, for example, we're going through something. Who is there to bring us up? Yeah. Is that something you've dealt with? Well, yeah. So, so, so first of all, a lot of my work is in uh, our personality preferences. Uh, so a lot of my business work is in that. So I, I, I look a lot at introversion and extroversion. Um, and what's interesting is that us as extroverts, other extroverts look to us to bring the, the energy. But a lot of times introverts don't. And so, and so for my own personal needs, I need everybody to be included. Whether they need to be included or not is a different story. You know, there's my needs and then there's the needs and they're often quite different. So a lot of times we feel like we have to be on as extroverts and we don't, we just thought we did. Which is an interesting shift when you start looking at it from an introvert's point of view of actually I'd rather you not be on and I'd quite like it if we could sit quietly. You know, um, and so I guess it depends on the context and, and you know, where you are and so on. But um, I created this whole persona that uh, stopped me from having to share my own my own personal life. And and um, and more importantly, it stopped me from asking for help because I didn't like to ask for help. I still don't, but I try and I didn't like to accept help even when it was offered because I always needed to feel like I was OK. And I needed other people to think I was okay. That made me feel like I was okay. Why do you think that it was um, it was an issue for you to ask for help or even receive it? Well, so it's part of that's how my imposter syndrome shows up. You know, and uh, you know, a lot of people talk about imposter syndrome as feeling like, oh, people are going to find out, you know, find out I'm a fake or whatever. That that was never a thing for me. It was more about what will people think, which is which is quite ridiculous in a rational way because I don't think worse of anybody who asks me for help. In fact, I want to help them. But then I suddenly feel like if I if I ask for or accept help from other people, then the, I I don't know. It's it it wasn't even a rational thought of oh they're going to think less of me. It was just I felt like I was less capable if I asked for help. So I had an abusive marriage, um, which I know I've, I've um, mentioned to you before, and I I didn't ask for any help at all. I kept it very quiet. Nobody knew. See, and I've been. I've had a friend that was in an abusive relationship, not necessarily marriage, right? But it was a relationship. They were um, common law at the time. And I'll let you speak on this, even though she didn't ask for help. And I'm guessing you didn't, from what you tell me, you didn't ask for help as well. You were still giving signs. Yes, for that sure. That something wasn't right. So I think in a way, that's probably how someone of your personality, of your situation, would ask for help. It's not like you would come and say, hey, Terrain, my spouse is abusing me. Help me. It wouldn't yeah. be th that direct, yeah. but it might be something as, you know what, Terrain? I'm going through something and I don't know what to do. Right? It yeah. might be something as subtle as that. And then I would say, Heather, 
what exactly is going on? I see that you're withdrawn more. I see that you don't spend enough time around us. I seem you're very to yourself and it always seems like you have something on your mind. Is that how it was when you're going through the abusive marriage? Uh, I'd say there were probably signs. Um, I Nobody approached it like that. I think I would have resisted for a while. And I think the, you know, I think it's a, it's a wonderful way to approach it that you're suggesting where you're allowing people, this is very assertive then, isn't it? You're allowing people to share when they're ready. Um, I think that if I had been approached like that, and I never was, I would have said, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, because I always had to appear everything was fine. Um, but if you're consistent with it, then people will respond. There'll be, there'll be a point when they say, actually, yeah, there's, there's stuff going on. Um, I didn't want to share that. Um, I, I it was kind of a different situation for me in a lot of ways because for, for, for some of the, the time we were in the Middle East, so I was um, uh, a manager. I, so I managed a full team of men um, the men were, we were always busy. We were always traveling. And what I did is make myself really, really busy so that I never had downtime to, to think about it or to consider it. Um, and I think, you know, when we see busy people, we just assume, oh, well, if they if they seem a little off today, it's because they're really busy and they're just probably tired. Um, and I think it's that bit about just being there and, and continuing to offer support when you're ready, if you're ready, you know, and, and just, and just making it available for people. Um, mine just came to a head and I, I had the, the strength and the power to end it because I was in the Middle East and because I was an expatriate, I was, I had, I had a company house, so I knew that I wouldn't need to leave or move. Um, I found out that I was pregnant shortly afterwards. So I probably at some level instinctively knew anyway, um, but I didn't. I didn't have. I, I. I didn't consciously know that. But I think that. Um, I think that there's there's times when you just kind of find a strength within you and go, this and no more. But if you have the support of other people and you're willing to accept help from other people, so much better. So so much better. And that's 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 something that if I had my time again, I would have found help. And that's what I agree with. Um... The support system is so important because life, you know how it is. Life is so tough, right? It's a lot to deal with. And there's so many of us that think that we can deal with everything in life on our own, but we're not built that way, right? If we were, we wouldn't be doing this, exactly. <laughs> right? Exactly. And I, I feel so, I feel so frustrated because that's my life lesson is, is that we don't, we're not alone and we don't have to be alone. Uh, my 19 uh, year old was back for Christmas. Uh, he, he's in Nova Scotia, but he came back to the UK for Christmas and, uh, and he's struggled with anxiety and depression through, through the COVID uh, lockdowns. And, and I said to him, you need to know that this is something that everybody deals with. And I think the more we can normalize it and the more we can talk about it and share it and support it, then the better off we'll all be. We're tribal. We just are. We're meant to communicate. That's how we, that's how we survive. Where's the food, water, sheltered? You know, we're, we're meant to, to, to share. And I think it's a real shame if we don't share our journeys in, in the way that, that we can. 
I agree because throughout time, what's been one of the consistent ways to punish someone? You isolate them. Yeah, that's a right? really good point. Yeah. You move them away, right? So if I'm going through something in my household, in my marriage, well, I'm not married, but if I'm going through something yeah. in a relationship, I will withdraw. And that's a way of me, quote unquote, punishing myself because I'm like, you know what? I don't want to feel like a burden to Heather. I don't want to feel like a burden to my friends. So I withdraw, right? And that just makes things worse because when you withdraw now, your only interaction usually is with the person that's causing you the pain, right? So you made a you made a good point with your son because I could imagine the levels of anxiety that everyone is feeling because people who are social or people who aren't necessarily social, you're still cut off. Like it's always good to have the choice. Let's say that, you know what, I want to spend the next month by myself. But if I wanted to break that, I can go and see Heather. Yes. Now, a lot of us don't have that option. Now we're thinking, what else are we going to do? And we have all these tests against our mental health resulting in mental issues. And I look at it as, imagine you are going through what you are going through now, where you don't even have the option of a support system. It's just you and the person that's causing the, you this grief. Yeah. Like, Imagine what would be your state of mind if you were to consider that. Yeah, and there are people in that situation. And and the only thing I can say is that despite all of the lockdown, there is still help and support. You just have to reach out. And, and we don't have that same luxury of perhaps having a friend or a family member who says, are you okay? You seem a little bit different as, as you were saying earlier. Um, we actually have to find that strength to reach out. And as extroverts, if, if, if you're an extrovert, you know, people assume you're okay. Um, with introverts, you know, if we go quiet for a while, uh, we people go, oh, well, that's, they're, they're always quiet. That's, that's just how it is. And then they disappear. And so we need to be checking in with people and we need to not be waiting till they're asking for help. But we also need to take responsibility for, you know, looking for the help. And there is help out there, despite wherever you are with lockdown, there is help. Um, and there are um, policies or, you know, kind of um, things set up for those kind of cases. Because if you're locked in with that, that's, I mean, that's beyond, beyond thought. You know, I, I, I can't even imagine that because I had, I had freedom to be able to do that. And I think... Um, I didn't have strength for a long time, but I did have freedom to do it. And I should say my, my mother, uh, my mother passed away this week, but um, my mother never forgave me for getting a divorce. So, and it wasn't because she was against divorce because a lot of her friends were, she was okay with divorce. She just never thought that I should have left because we seemed so happy as a public persona. And she never understood that that difference and she'd say yeah but it can't be that bad because look how happy you guys seem Do you know it was a it was a, a there was a, a very different kind of behind closed doors um life and and so and so i didn't feel like my family supported me i was in the middle east they were in canada so we were a long way apart anyway but i didn't i didn't feel like there was an a, even an emotional support and but there is always support out there if you, you sometimes you have to seek it out and especially during lockdown were you able to 
my condolences that your mother passed away. Were you able to at least have a conversation with her before she passed that that gave you at least some closure? Yeah, we had um we had a a lot of conversations over the years. Um, not about that subject because we had to just agree to disagree and agree to 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 move on. Um, you know, she was accepting of my next life which went horribly wrong as well um but but for my next marriage and and you know and and she, i had grandchildren so you know she was very happy with that um <clears throat> but she, i've had a lot of conversations with her in my own mind as i've processed my own beliefs and my own habits where i've questioned them and said are they true <laughs> like should I be believing this? Should I be living by this? So I've gone through a lot of processing for myself. And, you know, sometimes we have coaching for that, or sometimes we have therapy for that, um, if, if we need even, even more support. Um, and I, I have been through a lot of um, coaching for myself, because I, I, I'm a coach, and I know it's not always possible to do these things for yourself. But um, I have had done it in little tiny pieces, you know, I'll, I'll get a, I'll get a, a soundbite of something in my head. And I'll think, is that true? No, my mother intended it in a nice way, but it's not a good thought for me. And I think, you know, there's a lot of programming that goes on, not only from our parents, but from a lot of places. And, and we need to question those things and be quiet sometimes. And especially as extroverts, instead of getting really busy, we need to get quiet. Do you think that programming is something that holds us back because it's a comfort zone for us, right? Thinking that I look at two people, look at my friend Heather, I look at her and her spouse, in the public, they seem like the ideal couple, but behind closed doors, they're going through something else. And it's hard for me to believe, not because it's so unrealistic, because I don't want to accept it because of my programming. Do you think it's more of that? Um, I think it's a bit of, I think it's a bit of everything. I think, you know, we, um, I think we also want to believe that things are good. And I think we also want to sometimes not get involved when we know we should you know it's easier to just go well it seems okay <laughs> that's it and not question it isn't that scary how and that's a good point because i'm applying that to a lot of things we see going on especially in the united states these days right yeah. it's like it doesn't impact me directly so it doesn't matter to me mm -hmm. even though that what you go through, what I go through affects us as a whole, because if we start to ignore marital abuse, we begin to normalize it. If we begin to normalize it, then not only we're going to see, because usually you would, you would assume that it happens behind closed doors, right? But if we make it normal because no one gets involved, then we're going to start seeing it where? In the grocery stores, in the streets. And we've seen some people get attacked in public and no one helps yes yeah. to your point no one wants to get involved because they're like you know what it doesn't impact me and i'll give you an example that there's one day when i was taking public transit and this and, um, an older woman who works in the same building as me she fell she slipped on some ice she fell as she hit her head right and she was laying there so there's a group of us we all work for the at the time we all work for the same company and imagine I was the only person that actually helped her get on the bus after she slipped. And we all work for the same company. There's about 10, 15 of us. And a 
couple of days later, um, she ended up going on um, disability because of her injury. She came back to work and she started telling some people the story because we didn't really know each other. It was just someone that I noticed because we work in the same place. And one person came up to me and he said that, you know, I heard that you helped so-and-so. And I was like, yeah, you know what? She fell and I felt that it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And he stated to me that... It wasn't something that he would do because he wouldn't get involved. And I asked him, how can you look at someone and see that they're injured right in front of you and metaphorically, or in some cases, literally step over them to get into into the, the bus? And I asked him, this was my second question to him. If it was your sister, if it was your mother, would you want someone to help? He said, yes. I was like, but why would you want someone to help your family but you're not willing to help someone else's family. And I think that's the problem. We don't want to get involved, but when it impacts us, we want everybody to get involved. Exactly. Yeah. And and as as humans, we we haven't we have we have a responsibility to help each other. We have a responsibility to advocate for each other. We have a responsibility to get involved and it's really easy to say, well, I have my own problems, so let me leave you with yours. And I, you know, good luck with yours. But that's unacceptable. Um, I think that we, in in this case, I mean, that, that's just outrageous, and I can't even imagine like why people wouldn't get involved. But I do know that they don't get involved. I'm, I, I have first aid training because I'm a, a, a manager of a rugby team for teenagers, and uh, I always think, oh, one day I'm going to end up needing to use my first aid. I will. I won't prefer to because I, I, I'm afraid that I'll fail them but actually you fail them by just walking past them or ignoring it or pretending it's not happening that's when you that's when there's a problem and I will say with some situations you know we we do have um, a lot to for each of us to deal with um, and so long as you can put your hand on your heart and say I'm doing my best you can't do you can't fight all of the causes all of the time and you can't be all things to all people all the time um so there are times when i now have just in the last probably nine months or so started saying there's boundaries here and i I need to you know it's that i need to look after myself so that i have the strength to be able to help you but it can't always be because what ended up happening for me was i was everybody's advocate and i was doing everybody's you know support system and and then I burnt myself out. Do you think that while you're advocating for everyone else, did you take a moment to advocate for yourself? No. Not only did I not advocate for myself, I lost track of who I was. I, I created all these personas, but I actually didn't know my own voice. And so um, my second husband uh, was had early on onset of Alzheimer's in his 40s Um, and I became a a carer for him and he passed in 2019 and I I, it was the first time when I had everything leveled where all of a sudden I didn't have all of the roles that I was playing and I had to go and think about what do I even like for dinner what do I like to do in quiet times you know I was I was alone in the UK my children had grown up and they were off in North America and and um, and I I had to think I don't know what I do (laughs) 
and that's where you know cabaret was just such a wonderful community and 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 saving grace because um you know it's it's just such a wonderful way to express ourselves and um and and just feel like we're accepted um for everybody and that it's it's such an inclusive environment um, in most cases um but uh, yeah i lost full sight of myself because i was helping everybody else as everybody else's champion you mentioned persona um when you were helping everyone yeah what was the benefit to you to create these personas oh, around you do that that helped me get through all the stuff, right? I had my work persona. I had two businesses. I had, so I had, I had that going on. And so, and so I didn't bring my personal life into my work because I was an external consultant. So I'm not paid to go in there and, you know, I didn't have colleagues as, you know, as in, in the, in the client's eyes, you know, um, or if I did, then we were all there to be professionals. Um, and, and then I had my persona as a carer or as a wife or as a mother, or I created all these personas and I made it all look flawless. Did they ever, did they ever overlap or did you ever find them exhausting? Because this sounds like you had two or three different versions of Heather that you're putting out yeah. into the universe. Oh, I had I had probably more than two or three. I I, I yeah. Um, and they, there was overlap. There was overlap in that I was always energetic and I was always happy and I was always. And actually, when my husband passed away, um, people said, "Oh, you have to be okay," which I thought was a really odd thing to say. That is. <laughs> but odd. it's almost like if you're not strong, and you're the strongest person we know, if you're not strong, then the rest of us are in serious trouble. And I said, I don't want to be the strong person. <laughs> I don't want to be the poster child for strength because I didn't feel strong. I just felt like I was just doing my best. And that's what we're all trying to do. Yeah, it's interesting how you became like the benchmark for strength yeah. in your circle, right? Yeah. And it's happening at a time where you have work, Heather, personal Heather, which I guess in ro romance and all that stuff, um, mother Heather. You know, you have all these different personas and you must have been at the end of the day. I'm like, I'm exhausted being all these different things to all these different people. But who am I to myself? I never did that. I never allowed myself to have those thoughts because I knew that if I had those thoughts, I would fall apart. Do you have them now? I do. Absolutely. I mean, first of all, isolation <laughs> in 2019, that was a that was a bit of a shock to my system because I was really busy. <laughs> I was really, really busy. I, ha I, I do a lot of aerial um, uh, dancing. I do I do cabaret. I, I have my businesses. I was constantly traveling. I was had busy social life and um, and I just filled every minute. And so then I would just fall into bed and be tired. And I never allowed myself to process that. And I can remember on the first day of, of lockdown, 9.30 in the morning, I was calling a friend going, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> it's only 9.30 in the morning. I, I don't know what to do with this quiet space. Uh, this is this is not, like, I need to fill it. What do I do? I can't, nothing. I, you know, yeah. And so you fill it with, like, you know, I, I've, I painted the kitchen and I do those, but actually they were also quiet things. So that wasn't helpful. And so I had to let it all process and I had to let it all wash out. And I found that I had so much more space in my body because I had just held it all in and I never allowed myself to have that thought of who am I? But I do I now. tell you, when we had our first lockdown and I started having those thoughts about me, you know what I did? I just got in my car and I just drove. 
I must have seen, yeah, I must have seen three or four different cities. I was like, you know what? Because people like us, we're not used to this. No. Four walls. And, you know, <laughs> I learned how to, I, <laughs> I went on road trips. I went on, I learned how to jump rope. Um, I took up boxing. I started this podcast. What else did, I felt like if I wanted to, I could have saved the world from world hunger. Like I was, <laughs> I wanted to do so much just because I couldn't be out there like we're used to. Was it, we weren't allowed to move around. We weren't allowed to go to other cities and all over the place. We were allowed at one time a day to exercise. And I, I don't prefer exercise outside. I mean, I don't mind walking, but I, it's, that's not my thing. So my even indoors was my exercise for, for my stretching and my aerial. I have a I have a aerial pole in my living room. So I, everything was in, you know contained within four walls. And and I I I thought I'm going to go crazy in these walls. And I, I couldn't go anywhere, but there is a lot of benefit that we're going to see. And we're already starting to see like you starting your podcast, like me starting my business. Do you know, it's like we're, we're out there sharing and we're using tools that are online, but we're out there sharing our, our stuff and we're out there, you know, finding other people that that can share our messages and support and, and uplift each other. And that's something that wouldn't have happened if we weren't all locked in. I agree. And I think like um, we just realized that we have to maximize the time because now that we have all this time indoors, people like us, we it's like it's like a, a caged animal. We have to do something. So here we are. You started your business. I started my business and we're off to the races where in 2018, it probably was it was a thought that wasn't reality and it wasn't a reality that was on paper, but now we went from a dream to a thought to reality to on paper. And here we are having this conversation that maybe we wouldn't have two years ago. No, no, I'm sure we wouldn't have. I would have wanted to, I did. It was a thought for me. And I, and I did know that I had a lot of things to share and that I was happy to share them with people that, that if it would help them. Um, but I, I didn't have enough of the energy to put into it because motivation is just willingness to put energy into something. And I, I just didn't have that energy to put into figuring out how the whole online thing worked. And now I've got my ring light and I've got my, my, my microphone and I've got my, I'm on every social media, including clubhouse. I mean, I'm like, I'm doing the whole thing, you know, Love and, it. And I, but you know, and it's a huge learning curve, but, 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 but what's great is, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm able to reach people and they're able to reach me and, and, you know, there's just so much more to, to connect all over the world. Cause you're in Toronto, I'm in the UK, you know, it's like, yeah. Even if I was in Vancouver, we're still far apart. Oh yeah. I would have, I would have flown over. You can show me your Ikea lamp. <laughs> <laughs> you have one in your own house. <laughs> actually, I don't, I actually got rid of it, but okay. uh, yeah, I gave it to, um, what did I give it to? I gave it to. I want to say one of my friends moved out and I gave it to them because I wasn't using it anymore. But, um, you know, how it is when you move out, you don't have furniture, you don't have a microwave. So you, know, you definitely want to try to help out. Right. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I, I have to be honest about an hour ago, I put bulbs in this cause I hadn't used it for ages. It's <laughs> like, okay, this is crazy. Why do I have a lamp that I don't use? So I put bulbs in it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everything that you've gone through um, from your perspective, what would you want to take from your life journey that would benefit the next generation of women and why? Yeah, oh, so much. Um, 
I mean, I, I would want women to own their space in in society in in the way that they want to. Um, you know, in my mother's generation, they didn't have the same kind of choices. Um, in fact, when I moved to the UK, um, people in my mother's generation were still on their husband's passports. You know, so and that's not that long ago. Mm-hmm. So I would want women to to find ways to find out who they are and take up their space and use their voice and just do it. Like, don't worry about the how are you going to do it. Just start. Do you know there's a Rumi quote, and I can't, I'm going to I'm going to mess it up, but but it's something along the lines of you know. You take your step on the path and then the path will appear. Do you know, it's, I, I'm completely paraphrasing, but, but it is that principle of, you know, um, just start. And then there's a lot of people out there to help you and ask for help, accept help, share, and then share with somebody else. Cause women are sometimes a bit naughty about that because they go, okay, well, I'm all right now. <laughs> I got my thing. And then they don't share it. They don't pass it on, you know? And so sometimes women are their own worst enemies. Um, so, so I, I would say, you know, find your people, find your support and, and then share it. And I think if we can do that without being judgmental, like that's so important, you know, just, just start from the assumption that everybody's intentions are innocent and that everybody's doing their best. And if that's just getting out of bed and that's as much as you can do today, then that's great. And if you can do more and you can start a podcast, then that's great. Do you know, but but just the assumption that everybody's doing their best and that everybody deserves to have their voice and take up space. To your point, we have to help them take that first step, right? And sometimes you have to push. And I think um, when you mentioned earlier, um, when you and I talked back and forth um, before we actually met today, um, I think that's how interpersonal skills plays a part, right? Because you want to make sure that we're all communicating within our tribe, within within our group, within our circle, um, because you may not have the first step. Like the reason for my first step or what got me my first step is probably different from yours, but we both have taken it, right? And we need to help people take that first step more often because the first step can be very scary. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm several steps in and I'm still terrified every time I try and figure something out. I had, to, I had to go on YouTube live through Zoom and all kinds of stuff the other day. And I was like, okay, this is going to blow my mind, but let's just do a little bit at a time. So let's figure out this bit and then, then this bit. And then, you know, and that's what you do. That's, that's how you need to do it. It's just a little bit at a time. Um, and I think that body confidence and body positivity and body acceptance is so critical and especially to women. And I, uh, I, I find that you doing aerial really gives me my mindfulness practice because I'm not good at sitting still because we talked about this being an extrovert. I'm not good at sitting still. I try to meditate. I try to journal. I just don't have the, the patience to sit with it long enough to gain the benefit that I want to. But I'll tell you something, if you're up there on an, uh, anything aerial, if you think about anything except that moment and where you are and what you're doing, you will fall. So you fall. So you focus on the mindful, and the, so that's been a, a great uh, aerial practice. And actually, it's been really good because I have three sons. So uh, you know, boys coming in going, "Why do I have to have that mother?" Um, that's that's <laughs> okay because it's like, yeah, but we deserve to feel good about that. You know, we deserve oh, to yeah. feel good about our body, and 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 the younger males can learn that is the better. 
Yeah, and I agree, right? It's uh, at the end of the day, it's it's your body, and you want to feel good about it. But you know what's really cool about that kind of that kind of and actually this is true of anything really, I guess, because you you said you learned to skip this year or last year. So, but you know, I I didn't have strength. I didn't have the the fitness or the stamina to do a lot of the things that I can now do. But everybody has to start somewhere. It's like amazing how many people say, you know, I'll say, why don't you go online and look up YouTube? You know, do some stretching. It'll really feel good in your body. And they'll go, I don't, I don't know how to stretch. That's the point. Yeah, I think some people think that as soon as you're born, you just download this information. Like it's just supposed to appear in your mind. It's like no, you learn. We go to school to do what? To learn. Yeah. We、um, interact with people. To learn, no one is born. There, there isn't a manual that's in our crib <laughs> when when we're born, right? <laughs> yeah, and look at how many times did you fall down before you were able to walk, right? If you just went, oh well, no, I can't do that. That looks really hard. Then <laughs> you wouldn't be walking, do you know. And there's something when we're an adult, we just stop doing those things, and that's crazy. Because when we, we like every one of us, if you think about you as a child before you were judging yourself and allowing other people to and all that kind of you know boundaries issues, if 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 you just thought about the times when you were free and completely yourself, that's who you need to connect with. Because then you can do anything.